Welcome to Life Beat. I'm your host, Chris Gass. Joining me today is Anna Visser and Emily Kroll. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. February Friday. No COVID update for anybody this week? Uh, been there, done that. <laughs> okay, no. yeah, yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about a couple different things. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Associated Press and their analysis of who's going to be hardest hit. Uh, if abortion is banned, um, that's not the way I would characterize it. But uh, we're going to talk about the Olympics a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the proposal to uh, put a constitutional amendment in Michigan uh, for an unlimited right to abortion real quick. But uh, let's start off talking about it's uh, February. It's the beginning of Black History Month. Uh, we like to address the issue a lot simply because... You know, from a standpoint of history, history is made by people and the actions that they take and the events that they experience. And uh, because of abortion, so much history has gone unwritten. And that's certainly uh, not more true for any group than looking at abortion statistics. Uh, but since 1973, there have been more abortions uh, on the black community done than if you combine every single cause of death combined. So anything that impacts people, heart disease, cancer, crime, accidents, anything you could possibly roll together as an effect on any one particular community, in this case the black community, you know, abortion has taken more lives than all of those combined. So that means more history, more black history has gone unwritten because of abortion than any other cause you can possibly imagine. So not exactly celebratory, which is kind of the tone of this month, but uh, we had to talk about it, right? Yeah, it, it's always a little interesting. People always ask, why do we talk about abortion during Black History Month? And I think it can we can sum it up with the idea that we talk about abortion during this time because we want there to be a future for the black community. Um, and when you look at abortion statistics, the number of, of babies aborted from that community, just look at the city of New York, where you had for many, many years, all of the 2000s up until 2017, which is the last abortion numbers we have from there, there were more black babies aborted in that city than born. And so you, you just have to think of you're destroying your community, you're destroying the future, because a human life is has infinite potential. And we say, well, that could be the next president, that could be the person who cures cancer, that could be so many good things. It could also be the annoying person who threw a smoothie at you outside the gas station, but we want all people, <laughs> we want all people to have their right to be alive. And it's just devastating what the abortion industry has done. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute with China. Let's get some specifics on a countrywide level. Um, well, how about this? Anything positive we can start out with? You know, uh, I always think it's really interesting. So uh, when Right to Life, or not Right to Life Michigan, when National, National Right to Life Committee was founded, um, you know, one of the first ever presidents was Dr. Mildred Jefferson. 
um, who was black. I believe, if I remember correctly, she was the first black woman to graduate from Harvard Medical, Harvard Medical School. Medical School. Yeah. So that's a trailblazer. Sadly, you know, doesn't get as much attention um, because she's pro-life. Uh, it's kind of sad how politics kind of infects everything. But, um, you know, she's a very positive example. If anyone wants to go back, there's a couple of her speeches and whatnot on YouTube. She just passed away a few years ago, actually. Um, uh, but obviously someone who goes to Harvard Medical School theoretically should be pretty... Not always the case these days, but uh, uh, no, uh, you know, very, very intelligent. And, you know, doctors used to be at the forefront of the pro-life movement, too. And there's lots of pro-life doctors out there, but now there's a cost if you want to be a doctor and, and speak out on pro-life issues because um, all the major trade groups have kind of trended the other way, especially uh, the OBGYNs. But... Um, Another positive thing we talk about, too, like you said, uh, in New York, the abortion rates have been declining in the black community, uh, not nearly as fast as they have been uh, in other communities. We've seen this overall decline in abortions uh, up until recently, um, and so that has been true in the black community as well. However, not to bring us down again, but <laughs> it's a lot of work those abortion numbers have started to flip back, so... I don't know, we'll see. You know, in Michigan, the numbers have been getting even worse. It used to be, there was a significant, I mean, the, the numbers were disparate in Michigan, but now a majority of abortions, just over 50%, are done on black women, um, and they are, I think it's 14% of Michigan's population um, is African-American uh, with no Hispanic background. So, you know, how are we going to fix it? What's causing it? We're gonna <laughs> gotta yeah. talk about that first. Well, I would think you know we look at what drives a woman to have an abortion, and I think the the number one theme is fear, fear of the future with you know the guy who she's having the baby with, uh, fear of your life plans. You know, going out the window, I wanted to do this, I wanted to go to college, I wanted this job. If I have a kid, now I can't do this. People think, um, uh, you know, fear of just paying the bills and being able to take care of children. So, you know, if you look at the other statistics for why women have abortion, um, you know, income level, uh uh, percentage married, stable relationships. I was just going to say, I think from our black abortions brochure, it's said in 2020, 92% of black women that had abortions were not married. Right. I think it's about 90% overall for everyone. So it's not necessarily, I mean, well, first of all, we know that they are more likely to have abortions. You know, the abortion industry is very much an industry. They have margins to meet, uh, all of, if, except for Planned Parenthood, all these other indie, independent abortion facilities are essentially small businesses that, you know, they need to make payroll, the abortionist needs to turn a profit, so they go where the business is. Um, so there's certainly an element to that, but yeah, you look at, um, you know, just family instability is one of the biggest causes for abortion 
Um, and, you know, and we see the statistic where, you know, a majority of abortions are done on women who already have had a child. And so they're already feeling, you know, this is difficult. Now I have another child in the mix. So, yeah. So I think it's just that the general situation of, you know, socioeconomic situation, I think, plays a big role into that, which you can't just wave a magic wand and fix. No. Because America spent a couple decades waving a lot of magic wands trying to fix those problems and it hasn't helped. Um, obviously, banning abortion is a simple way to fix it. For now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good first step. Yeah. So, I think. <laughs> I mean, and, and we see that so often that, and especially with the press and with politicians, and there was an article in CNN, I think it was a month ago now, but basically they were, they, they advertise abortion as a, as a cure for poverty. And it's really just not the case. Killing children does not change anything about someone's circumstances. And so, I mean, it's kind of sad that the solution after they, all of these things have been tried and failed, that now they're just saying, you know what? We can't, we can't deal with poverty. We can't deal with different socioeconomic statuses. So let's just kill the babies. Yeah. It's pretty dark. And that his, that's, that's, those are human lives. They would have their own opportunity. Um, you know, one other point I think to address before we change gears uh, and, and talk about China and um, so when you talk about the issue of abortion with people, one of the more ugly points that frequently comes up is, you know, these kids are going to be born into poverty or rough situations or unstable families and they don't exactly put it this way, but the underlying assumption is these are lives that are unworthy of being lived. You know? Or they're better off not being lived. Yeah. Better off dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. You're, you're saving them. Right. Uh, I, I think, you know, everyone has a different history. Some people's history is more... Uh, easy a path than others, certainly, but, you know, how can you look at a person and say that you can ju you set yourself up as judge and executioner in this case and say that a person's life is not worth living, the solution is kill it. And human, in the argument that we have to exterminate people because they could suffer at some point in the future, Every, everyone suffers. Suffering is the universal human condition. Mm -hmm. Now, some people might have different circumstances, but the suffering stays the same. And not everybody is going to handle situations the same. And the thought that, and I, is it a genuine argument if the people saying, well, we have to kill babies so that they don't suffer, is I just want to look at people and say, have you suffered and why are you here? Well, maybe these are people that aren't empathetic and, and think, well, you know, if my mom didn't have me, maybe I wouldn't have gone through all this and I was born into poverty and I didn't have this and yada, yada, yada. Or I was went to foster care or I didn't have a dad or like whatever the circumstance may be. 
maybe that's where they're coming from. Still. I don't know. It's hard to judge, you know, but I would say that that opinion kind of cuts across the histories of people who make those points. Yeah, because suffering is universal. Right. Uh, Well, uh, I just... There's philosophy for today. Great. (laughs) So I would just say, uh, you know, follow us on social media throughout Black History Month. Um, You know, we're going to be sharing uh, plenty of things to draw attention to this issue. You know, we have a great series of short films called Still on That Journey. Uh, You can find it on our YouTube channel. It's featuring uh, Christina Bennett who is a pro-life activist. Uh, Last we checked in with her, she was helping run uh, pregnancy centers um, or I think do family policy. She's from Connecticut. But um, uh, really great videos and um, uh, make you think. Mm -hmm. And we do need to do a lot more thinking about it and talking about it. I think the number one thing is why do we bring this up? You know, these abortion numbers are bad and you cannot solve a problem if you are unwilling to identify it. And, and frankly, pointed out that this is a problem and something needs to be done. So speaking of looking at something and frankly pointing out how horrible it is, let's uh, switch gears to China. So uh, the Olympics are starting. As I, I turned on the radio this morning and heard some Olympic stuff, and I gave my children on the way to school a long rant <laughs> about how bad China is. Well done. Um, well done. Which is hard. Like, how do you explain to a five-year-old, like, yeah, they harvest the organs of Uyghur prisoners in concentration camps, you know? I don't There's not a really great way to no, relate that not. to a five-year-old. But, um, you know, it's the Olympics, and I think this year you've seen a lot of, seen some people say, I'm not going to watch, or we should be boycotting. I know, you know, LifeNews.com has been, which is a pro-life mm-hmm. news website, has been harping that point over and over. Um so, uh, I, is it, are you going to watch the Olympics, Emily? I have blocked no. NBC from all of my social media feeds. Um, and I every time there's a news that pops up in my RSS feed, I block the news source. <laughs> and I just don't want to see any of it. Because I, personally, I just don't want to see a celebration in a nation that does so much harm to humanity. What about you, Anna? I mean, I don't watch the Winter Olympics anyway. Not a winter so, sports person. Not, I mean, not necessarily. I guess if it was on in the TV and someone else was watching it, then maybe, but I wouldn't watch it anyway. It, so I'm not going to watch it. it it's kind of hard, you, you know, because I love sports, and I'm not a huge Olympics watcher, but, you know, it's it's your country and your country's athletes competing, and, you know, you want to be supportive of them. But, yeah, it seems like a lot of modern Olympics, I mean, maybe this has always been the case, but are, have become almost celebrations of the countries. I remember yeah. watching whichever Olympics was in Britain, and they were like, they had a whole bit about how great the National Health Service was. And I was like, Well, that's, that's what I was strange. telling you guys a little bit ago was NBC was narrating, and they were showing the flag or whatever, during the opening ceremony and they were saying we there's a lot of people that have been upset about some supposed human rights violations that have been happening here but but China's really growing and they're really great and they're you know doing all this stuff and a lot of people were had a lot of comments about that 
So basically they were saying they were spreading propaganda. American news media spreading propaganda <laughs> for China, Anna? Couldn't be. Must have, They must have been having a bad day. Um... <laughs> it's just, I think part of it too is before the age of social media and being able to so readily share information across so many different people from all over the world is if the main media sources weren't talking about something, we didn't know about it. So if it was up to the American media, we would not know the personal testimonies of women who, of Uyghur women who escaped into Turkey um, and we're talking about being raped and having abortions forced upon them, about the organ harvesting going on, and just all of the abuse and, and, and what has been happening to the Uyghur population in China. And, and that's just, it's just another nail. I mean, China spent decades executing children because it didn't fit with their one-child policy and now they're facing yeah. a major and, demographic and, and not even the not just the Uyghurs or the Falun Gong or others their own you know their preferred Han ethnic minority I mean they would like everybody so so let's move gears and kind of talk about you know that a little bit more specifically so China's been kind of in the news lately because they've started uh, restricting abortion uh, encouraging women to have more kids I think I read that they were starting to um, refuse to perform sterilizations on women. So, uh, you know, if you didn't know all the history, you'd be like, oh, this is great. They're like moving more in a pro-family, you know, let's stop killing babies direction. Um, they just how, ran out of women. Yeah. So, but yeah. <laughs> Literally. You know, really, they're not really doing it because they believe that these are human beings with you know, value, and we need to respect the value. It's more of a, since 1979, we've, yeah, we've decimated our population, and only now, at the end, do we understand what a horrible mistake it is. Uh, but what we're, we've seen for the last few years, so was it 2015 or 16 that they started... They entered opening the up two -child the, Yeah, was it... That was, I think that was 2015. 2015. Since then, every single year, births keep declining in China. They've spent so long beating into the heads of their population that uh, children are the enemy to prosperity and advancement of you know the Chinese people that now they're trying to reverse course and nothing they're doing so far is working. And so I wouldn't say that they're really moving in a pro-life direction. They're just... Maybe it might take a, a while. They're just moving in a, you know, because they, they see people as cogs in, their, in a machine. Yeah. And they need more cogs. Now, it's sometimes we make that point because, uh, you know, obviously our argument is not we need more people to benefit us. It's, you know, we need to stop killing people because killing people is wrong. But... You know, hopefully that is, and that's what, this is probably gives me the most long-term positive outlook on our movement is it's going to be very apparent to people outside of China, um, you know, not just places like Korea and Japan or Russia that, uh, you know, we spent all this time killing all these people and that is going to have a directly negative impact on your situation. And you know, if we can't reach people, if we can't appeal to their conscience... Maybe we can open up their conscience by appealing to their pocketbooks. 
Yeah. Maybe. I think the thing that most concerns me going forward with the whole China situation is first they went to, they got rid of the one child policy and then they start, introduced a policy to encourage two children. Um, I think it was 2020, they introduced their new policy encouraging three children. And oh, you, wow. you mentioned none of that is working to stave off their, their demographic process. Pro crisis because English is very hard for me today but what is when when all of these measures fail what does China do next and we know China has no value for the human being so are we going to run into the situation in China what the American pro-abortion people say American pro-life people do is forced pregnancy are we forced pregnancy are we literally going to see in China as a method to stave off the collapse of their society from their own policies forcing women to have babies like the handmaid's tale like yeah. the handmaiden's tale or yeah. like the giver yeah. well or brave new world brave if they ever world. invent artificial wombs are they going to start straight up manufacturing people mm-hmm who yeah. can be their own undesirable social class that can do all the dirty jobs. I well, wouldn't put it past them if it got so uh, bad. We know they have no no value for human life. So what what is logically the next step? It's scary. If if they're gonna put if they're gonna you know if they could force if they have no compunction about forcing a woman to have an abortion, I don't see why they'd have any compunction about. You know, raping a well, bunch of women and forcing them to give birth. I mean, which they, the other side yells about us like all the time, but those, but that's the natural end result of their own worldview. They just don't. Yes. They don't realize like when you like that's the entire point is it's about the value of the human life. They already kind of do do that because they have all these mail order brides from surrounding countries mm -hmm. and they pay them and they trick them into coming and so that they can get pregnant and get married because there's no women in the country. So they already are paying women to come, give birth, continue on the family name. So it's like, I wouldn't put it past them mm -hmm. to keep going. Yeah. And these women have come out and said they tricked me, they never paid me enough money, they didn't promise me all the things, I'd, you know, all this stuff. So, I don't know. Well, uh, just to switch gears a, a little bit um, along those lines, so uh, just a brief update on the attempt to put a uh, constitutional amendment in Michigan that would give an unlimited reproductive freedom, as they say, uh, including an unlimited right to abortion, uh, and all these other things that they have no idea that they're undermining because they don't, they can't stop and think past their own situation. Um, they're having a meeting, uh, the Board of Canvassers in Michigan on February 11th, so next week, and uh, getting their petition approved is part of that process. So um, if they are able to do that, then they're able to start circulating their petitions as soon as Friday afternoon next week. So, um, you know, we'll have more information out there uh, by then, hopefully, and you will be able to... Um, counter this if you see this petition going on out there um, and we'll of course have much much more as we continue especially if they're able to collect their signatures um, so let's just change gears a little bit still kind of on the same uh, arena things pro abort say our example this week comes from the Associated Press which oh that's a news organization well yes they do a lot of their wire service so a lot of news organizations run their stuff. However, um, you know, the, 
typically pro-abortion. And, and so this is how they characterize uh, overturning Roe versus Wade. On February 1st, they tweeted, start of Black History Month, they tweeted, who would be most affected if the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade? An associated press analysis of states that already restrict the procedure, Texas, <laughs> basically, yeah. um, shows more women of color undergo abortions, and those women would, quote, I mean, this is, I've been quoting them already, but <laughs> bear the brunt if Roe is lost. Bear the brunt. I mean, our analysis is if Roe versus Wade was gone and we could restrict more abortions, that would mean more women of color would be born and alive. Yeah. Kind of the opposite, you know. Yeah. See, that's the problem. You know, it is having more people, a little you, a person of your cultural heritage that you can form and shape and send forth into the world is that a brunt sadly that we have to face if you live in a culture where children are viewed as an enemy then yes unfortunately that's where the associated press and has been trending and and in america whether it is the black community the white community pretty much every community we in this country have come to seeing children as the enemy too. Sad. We're on China's path. We are. Demographically, morally, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to turn back. I guess China does too. But, um, you know, if you listen to the Associated Press and how they characterize that, you know, bear the brunt. And one way of looking at that tweet is saying, or that story is, so are they saying that fewer women of color is a good thing? And men of color? Basically. People of color? Logically They don't speaking, like to say yes. women anymore, but... No, we can't use the I'm W. Kinda, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised they actually did say women, because the... If you look at the comments, people are upset that they... <laughs> oh, are uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Let me look really... Oh, you know what? I don't want to, because I don't mean... <laughs> Your brain will start to cave. We only have about two more minutes, and we can't... Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started. It, it really is sad... To see how children are considered an enemy by a large group of people in the United States. But with the Supreme Court looking at Roe v. Wade, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it will allow our nation an excellent opportunity to correct course and instead of attacking our future, nurture it, build it, and move forward. Maybe that's another point where we need to look at why do they look at them as enemies and fix that issue first or think about that issue more? You know, what's causing anyone in the U.S. and China or whatever to think that children are the enemy? Yeah, so... Is it inconvenience? Is it money? Is it selfishness? Yeah, so when Roe is overturned, I mean, that means we can restrict abortion, but... Will we is the struggle that will, will continue for a very it? long time. Will, yeah. So just to kind of, you know, tie it all together, uh, you know, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, if we do ban abortion, then yes, 
poor women, women not the best family situations, will be having more children. And, you know, people say that's the burden and we have to, you know, that's what we can't possibly deal with. But I think a better way of looking at that is an opportunity. We'll have more opportunities to provide pregnancy help, more opportunities to, you know, reach these people in a more direct way, which is what pro-life pregnancy centers do. You know, they, it's not just, they don't just give people diapers and say, go have at it. You know, they usually require them to sit through like parenting class and life skill classes uh, to be able to access those resources. Because of course, you know, you're just giving someone free stuff, killing a baby, you know, a one child policy, all these things that are band-aids or are poison in the wound, you know, these do not help and they don't substitute for an actual thriving culture of life. So that's all we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week. We're going to have a special feature and of course follow us for news on that petition drive and the result. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you next week.